Welcome into Loho Daily. I'm Lawrence Holmes, aka Loho, coming to you today from my couch. I am putting the podcast together while I watch the Cubs game, even though the topic for today's podcast is going to be about the White Sox. And here's what it's going to be about it's about the fragility of the rebuild that's going on on the South Side. Now, If you've listened to this podcast, you know that I'm a White Sox fan. If you didn't know, now you know. If you don't know, now you know. I am a White Sox fan, and I've been really pretty excited about the way that the 2019 season has gone for the Southside Nine. It's it's been fun. It's it's been a lot of fun to watch some of these players grow, to watch Tim Anderson turn into not just a local but a national sensation with his issues with the Kansas City Royals and him bat flipping out of control and all of that good stuff. Watching Yoan Moncada look like the number one prospect in baseball, where last year he looked like he was a guy who was completely lost at the plate and he struck out a whole bunch. Was it 217 times? Walking, watching Lucas Giolito turn into one of the best pitchers in the American League after being statistically the worst starting pitcher in the American League last year. Watching them make some good moves with bringing in Kalame and watching him be very, very solid as a closer. The reason that I wanted to bring up the fragility of the rebuild is that this week is, I think, put a real spotlight on how quickly things can go wrong when you're not when you're not at full strength a hundred percent of the time. Here's what I mean by that. I've often joked, whether it was on the radio show or on this podcast, that the White Sox are uh, a pitcher and a half away from being a legitimate wild card contender in the American League. And I'm half joking about that. But the problem is that where they're at right now is so fragile because of the way that the the roster is already comprised. Where you're getting to a point where you have enough good players around the diamond that it doesn't hurt that bad that Jose Abreu has been off and on, even though he's one of the league leaders in RBIs, he's well below where he usually is for on base percentage and batting average this year. He's still slugging, which is great, but he hasn't been the player that we're kind of used to seeing since he, he became a white Sox years ago. You look around the diamond and you see, okay, Moncada's doing really well. Tim Anderson's doing really well. Leori Garcia has been way better than what we've seen from him in a White Sox uniform. Aloy Jimenez has been up, and he's been uh, he's been so flashy. And over the last couple of weeks, he's really kind of taken a step forward. This last week, had it not been for Abreu's home run, on Wednesday afternoon in Boston, I, I was very much prepared to do this podcast and talk about how this was one of the worst weeks of the rebuild. 
And yes, you can put it on a list with Michael Kopech blowing up his arm and Carlos Rodon blowing up his arm. But the way that the last seven days have gone for the White Sox is it, it was real close to being one of the worst weeks in the rebuild. And let me explain what I mean. After beating the Cubs last Tuesday in a game where you weren't really expecting the White Sox to beat the Cubs because of the pitching matchup, you're going into the next game with a chance to be 500 with Lucas Giolito on the mound. A lot of White Sox fans are really excited about that, as they should be, because he's been so terrific so far this year. So Giolito, in in horrible conditions, I sat through that game and it was miserable, but the conditions I don't think had anything to do with the Cubs like really roughing him up. Because it started in the first inning when you could tell that he didn't have his good command or whatever. So Giolito gets beat up in, in the game against the Cubs, and the White Sox lose 7-3. to three. And initially, you're struck going, okay, well, they split with a, a good Cubs team. We'll see you in, in July when the two teams play again. But remember, that was coming off of two losses to the Yankees after winning the first two games of that four-game series. Now, the White Sox won the season series from the Yankees, and I do want to try and stick with the last seven days to make the point. But if you want to extend it out to the last nine days, uh, it, it maybe helps to get, give an even a larger sample of what I'm talking about. So the White Sox get a day off. They lick their wounds. They head to Texas. They win a close game in Texas. And then on Saturday... When Despagne is is starting, they jump out to a four nothing lead in the game, four nothing lead in the first inning, and he almost immediately gives those runs back. It was horrible, and it was horrible because then you had to extend your bullpen because of his performance. The White Sox end up losing that game six to five. They then lose seven to four to Texas on Sunday. They go to Boston. They lose another tough one, six to five. They lose the second game of the series, six to three, and are getting ready to get swept until Jose Abreu hits a home run and and gives them an opportunity to win eight to seven, which they did. Now you add into that that Tim Anderson playing on on a wet surface on Tuesday now has a high ankle sprain. Yoan Moncada gets hurt in, in the game against Boston. So that's what I mean when I'm talking about the, the issue of depth and why the White Sox are so fragile from a rebuild standpoint. There aren't any real replacements for what you expect Tim Anderson to give you. Now, they're going to put Leori Garcia out there. Uh, I know that some people were, were talking about Alcides Escobar maybe making his way to, to the major leagues. All that is well and good, but, but the point stands that with the losses that they've had this week and the actual physical losses that they've had, plus Lucas Giolito looking... Kind of human. <laughs> human. I always say that like I'm from New York. Human. 
instead of superhuman like he's looked for most of the season. And it really shines a light on how fragile this year's team is. And I think it's a good reminder. I think it's a really good reminder that as great as they've been, that we have to realize that there's still a lot more work to do. And Rick Hahn will be the first person to tell you that. He's very happy with what he's seen from his team this year, and he should be. He, he should be ecstatic about some of the stuff that he's seen from his squad. But when you look around the diamond and you see some of the, the, the issues that this team has from a depth perspective, it's easy to understand why, while we should be excited, we shouldn't be too excited. So you look at the last, and honestly, again, I hate to go back because I did say seven days, but even if we go back to the win that Giolito had against the Yankees, he wasn't as sharp. Now, it didn't matter because the bats on that Friday night were great, and they beat up on CC Sabathia, and the park was electric that night. But after that start against the Royals, these are the last three starts for Giolito. Sixth inning game uh, against the Yankees. They won that game. He was fine, but wasn't dominant in that game. Then you have the game against the Cubs where he got tattooed. And he went four and a third in that game. And gave up a whole bunch of runs. And then the game against Boston, only five and two thirds. So the guy that you're, the guy that you had seen early on, it, it, he wasn't there, you know, like he wasn't the same guy. And you start looking at what the totals were where, yeah, five and two thirds with three earned runs is, is not terrible, but it's not dominant. And then coming off a performance where you went four and a third and gave up six earned runs. And what scares me is that the walks are starting to get a little higher, three walks, in the game against the Cubs, and that led to a disaster for Giolito. Four walks in the game against the Red Sox. Again, I still think that he should be in the running to start for the American League in the All-Star game, but the the overarching point that I want you to get from this is they – Rick said it, I think, best. I had him on the show, and he talked about – the this the White Sox are at the beginning of the end. Wait, I got that wrong. I totally got that backwards. The end of the beginning. That's what I meant. They're at the end of the beginning. And I think that that's a wonderful place for the the White Sox to be as a fan base. As a matter of fact, why don't I I I'll share it here. Here's the sound of Rick Hahn kind of explaining where the White Sox are at. And I think it makes a lot of sense. Look, we know what White Sox fans have been through for the last two plus years. We we felt it ourselves every bit as strongly, if, if not perhaps more so. Uh, so it's rewarding and it's exciting and it, and it feels good to start seeing uh, the progress, to start seeing uh, the end of the beginning, so to speak. Uh, but we know there's still more work to do. We know we're not where we want to be. It's great that fans are taking some level of enjoyment in this and that they're able to see this starting to come together. 
but the real satisfaction is going to be coming in the future when we have that type of environment here in October. People ask me at the start of the year, you know, what would be a good win total? Is 500 fair? Do you think an 18 win improvement for this club getting to 81 wins this year is, is fair? And for me, it, it's as I said, opening day or in spring training and since then, it's more about how we get to that win total. That's going to be important to me at the end of the year. A, a team that, say, hypothetically wins 81 games but is on the back of guys who are, are short-term guys or free agents or in their 30s or perhaps not here for the next decade is a lot different in terms of progress and long-term health of this organization uh, than a than a. 75 win team or pick a lower number win team that is driven by the success of young players like Moncada and Anderson and Giolito and Eloy and any others that we bring up. So as a fan, obviously with the meatball side of me and the competitiveness side of me, I want to win every game. The way I behave during games is not good and, and people should stay away from me. Uh, you know, we're in the midst of a, an 11 game stretch here. Uh, against teams that are going to be playoff caliber or are playoff caliber and in the mix right now. And we want to win all 11 of them from that meatball standpoint. Fundamentally, though, for the long term, it's going to be important that our young players continue to build off the success they've had already so that at the end of this year, regardless of how many we win during this stretch or over the course of the entire season, we know that certain players have taken that step forward and can reliably be counted upon to be part of a championship core going forward. Because, again, our focus remains on the long term. So that's what Rick is talking about. And I think it's a really good reminder of they still have a long way to go. And I think that that what's happened to this team over the last seven days is a a reality check. It's a reality check on how quickly... Here, here's what it is in a nutshell as I continue to keep talking. Think about how quickly the White Sox could be one of the worst teams in the American League. We've, we've been spending a lot of time talking about them possibly being 500 and them maybe having an outside chance to push for that second wild card spot in the American League. Flip it around. Think about how easily the White Sox could be one of the worst teams in the American League. And the example I'll give is Saturday's game with Despagne on the mound. Now, they've DFA'd him. He's no longer with the team. But since they don't have consistent starting pitching, if Giolito isn't all-star caliber... It really lets you know like how bad things can be. If you don't have that one guy that you know that you can get a win around, then you're stuck with a rotation that just kind of looks like, ugh. And they could easily be on the bottom of the American League, especially when you add in What if Tim Anderson is going to have to miss a lot of time with his high ankle sprain? What if Johan Moncada is going to miss any time with his knee issue that he has? So it was just a real, it was an eye-opening moment for me as I sat there watching the game. And I was like, man, this team may be one and a half pitchers away from being good. 
And they might be three more bad starts from Giolito for being one of the worst teams in the American League. My my cup is still more than half full on the White Sox. And I'm still excited, but I'm kind of glad that I got I'm kind of glad I got the cold water watching them on Wednesday. I I needed the cold water. I'm glad I got the cold water. And it'll give me more perspective on watching them for the rest of the season. Hopefully, Tim Anderson's going to be fine. And Yoan Moncada is going to be fine. And Giolito has righted himself. But if they can't do that, then you start looking at a lineup and a pitching staff that's really going to struggle. So I appreciate you listening. Thanks for checking out Loho Daily. Please go back. Like there, Some of the topics that I do on the podcast are evergreen, man. So even though it's a daily podcast, there's stuff that you can go back and listen to, and it's not time-sensitive. This one today, probably a little bit more time-sensitive than the others, but there's some really cool episodes and interviews. If you just go back through the history of it, like the interview with Michael Kim or the interview with Lisa Ann, there's a lot of fun, like interesting stuff in here. So please go back, subscribe, uh, give us a five-star rating. That would be excellent if you would do that. Hit me up on Twitter if you got thoughts. At Lawrence W. Holmes is where you can find me. Thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow.